Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, transphobia, queerphobia, and mentions of HIV-AIDS. Hi everybody, welcome to Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. Queer Sounds is a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes... I'd like to remind you all, if you like what you're hearing, go to patreon.com slash queersounds. And that's about it for all of the household messages uh, as of yet, other than the very important announcement that we've got a fun guest on today. Um, Yannick, welcome. Thank you so much for the hearty welcome. Um, I'm glad to be on today. Just glad to be a part. Just so the audience knows who we're dealing with, what are your pronouns? What do you do in daily life? My pronouns are she and her. Um, I'm just an ordinary person. <laughs> um, I work in retail and I'm a creative musician, singer, songwriter. Um, and I'm just me. I'm just me. I just like living. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I've browsed through all of the stuff that you've put out there, like all of your articles, your 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 music, your podcasts, your videos, you're, I don't want to say omnipresent, but, but you are everywhere if you know where to look. Like, yes, you've, you've um, covered I, all of the bases. Like you've got audio, video, written text, like all of the different t- styles of media, basically. Yes, I have, I have encompassed a lot of ways of expressing creativity and learning how to have various platforms to reach people that are in different places access technology differently yeah the, how do you how do you go about all of those different things because the one thing i found very consistent um, amongst all of those different parts of what you do is it all feels very diy it's not it's not corporate it's you, you just do you, you i feel like you it feels very genuine you just speak your heart um, out on the internet and go for it it is it is very DIY. Um, I've been in the creative game since I was in college, um, which my creative career started in 2006. That's a very long time. Um, and yeah, to be honest, um, I've listened to uh, to some of the remixes you've put out there, and I thought they sounded very European. Thank you. And... <laughs> That's a lot of my musical influence when it comes down to my remixes, um, artists that I listen to. I listen to an array of artists. Um, and just taking sounds from different movies I've watched, different TV shows. Yeah, you, the I, I came across one pitch of your um, creative endeavors, especially the music ones. And I've seen you use the word trans euro dance or something along those lines um, trans euro house trans-euro um, house. There a, we go. a friend of mine um better known as the queen of shade also known as bjorn dufo um they are the reason why i am in music now encouraged me to to really get my music out there and they are responsible for me getting my first two singles out, who I am, and sustaining. And I'm so grateful uh, for the Queen of Shade because um, such an inspiration and offers 
um, teaching, offers classes on how to build your brand, be an outstanding artist. Yeah, we'll get uh, back to uh, the Queen of Shade um, during the show later on. But yeah, I guess with that, it's about it's let's let's get our first track of the day going. Awesome, awesome! I'm ready. All right, classic. Whitney Houston, I'm your baby tonight. album of the same title released 1990 um what i found very curious or at least a little little bit of factoid about the song it's produced by la reed and babyface which were also longtime collaborators with her then not yet husband bobby brown off an album that featured collaborators such as luther fandross uh here I'm going to go take the opportunity to plug episode 14, which actually featured a Luther Fandros cha- uh, uh, track. Go check that one out. And um, Stevie Wonder, also on the album I'm Your Baby Tonight by Whitney Houston. So why did you chose this track? Um, I chose this track. It's a staple of my childhood. Because um, your girl, would, when that video came on, on MTV or VH1, or BT, whichever channel played it in the US, my aunt would call me in the living room. She's be like, hey, Whitney Houston's on the TV. And I would go in and watch the video because I love the scenery. Granted, five years old, I didn't understand all the words until I got about a little older, probably about 10, and I was able to comprehend what she was saying. And just the artistry of the song 
for that time and the, the prowess of Whitney's voice and all around that new age sound that was migrating from the late 80s into the early 90s. And the fact that at the end of the video, she's a woman on her motorcycle. And that was the best part of the video in my mind as a kid. I'm like, a girl on her motorcycle, that's hot. <laughs> and just seeing how she goes through a metamorphosis throughout the music video, she's a beatnik. Then she's um, in all girls group. And then she's like a boss in the white tuxedo. And at the end, boom, check on a motorcycle. Yeah, really going through that visual transition, like from the, from the 50s, 60s onto... Uh, the late 80s i guess um uh, I've, I've, i haven't actually seen the video but i will make sure to check it out later on um, yes you will love it i mean if there's something that is that that i've especially lately i've been very much into the entire 80s aesthetic i don't know i've just been yes i've yeah. been listening to a lot of 80s music and it is wonderful yeah me too i actually went to a party the other day and uh well not really a party it was just like a small family gathering and uh, an uncle of mine said, you know what? The only thing your outfit is missing is a speedboat. And that's just, you know, to, to the only thing that could make it make me look more Miami Vice, like that would, would have been a speedboat. And that was the best compliment I've had all year. Um, awesome. Awesome. But enough about me. Um, I reckon that Whitney Houston falls in a long line of similar musical influences that you really enjoy. You know, um, um, Petty LaBelle, Tina Turner, all that stuff. Yes. Long list. Uh, I, can even go, I can go even as far as to say the Clark Sisters, which is a well-known gospel group. Um, Phyllis Hyman, Donnie Hathaway, there's just so many artists to name because there are so many people that influence me, especially pioneers and trailblazers. Um, even in the new age artists, such as Ariana Grande, um, Lady Gaga, and even the younger Generation Z um, participants, learn a little bit from them, seeing how, as an artist, I can stay relevant. Right. So beyond just looking what's going on right now in the industry at large, um, what do you actually listen to on a day-to-day -day basis? On a day-to-day -day basis, I listen to a plethora of like fusion artists, fusion jazz, hip-hop, R&B, very obscure artists or um, mainstream artists. Um, one of those artists being B. Slade, who um, started out in the gospel industry and migrated into other genres. So, and just hearing the um, Broadway influences, the classical um, romantic Baroque eras being, showing up in his music, being present in his music and also hearing influence from the eighties and nineties from jazz, from classic jazz. You hear all of that. And he's very reminiscent of Prince. Um, right. When you hear his music, you hear you hear the influence of Prince, and also you might hear a little bit of Donny Hathaway. You'll hear some great influences, but it's authentic to him. Has your taste in music changed a lot over the years? Because I feel like you're very 
contemporary in the sense that you, whether it's 1990 and you listen to um, Whitney Houston or it's now you listen to Ariana Grande, I feel like you're very with the time in that. Has that always been the case? Um, no, it has not always been the case. As I've grown older and I was able to access things myself, I was able to, and I've been able to venture out in different genres, try different artists, try different uh, countries, different cities, um, going on YouTube and looking at different artists, whether it be indie artists, underground artists, or local artists. So you actually went out of your way and, you know, went on an adventure online to see whatever you'd stumble up into. Right. And that's how I discovered Duran Bernard. Um, he would post a lot of videos on YouTube and he ended up singing background for Erica Badu. Right, yeah. And he, he was coming out with different mixtapes, getting his name out there. And I kind of followed some of his models um, as well as following the Queen of Shape. But then he started releasing full length albums, seeing him featured on BET series or web series and seeing collaborations with other artists. It has just been a wonderful journey with him over the past 10 years or so. Um, again, we're going to get back to uh, Duran Bernard later. We're getting ahead of ourselves, I feel like, a little bit. I know, right? <laughs> so do you have any like go-to music? Like whenever, you, whenever you're whenever uh, you sad, you put on a specific song that makes you feel better? or um, I One of my go-tos, um, more on the gospel side, um, from the Clark Sisters' recent album, The Return, um, one of my go-tos is their song, He Can. It has, it remi is reminiscent of 90s R&B, but with a touch of neo-soul from back in the 2000s, right, uh, yeah. from the Jill Scott, Erica Badu, Common Era. I, the track is awesome. The track is awesome. Um, being produced with the likes of Jermaine Dupree, Dark Child, um, even... Um, the son of Karen Clark Sheard, who's a Clark sister, um, Jay Drew Sheard, seeing collaborations from various generations of producers um, on the album. They feature Snoop Dogg on the album. They did they did a gospel album with Snoop Dogg, and he featured and highlighted some of their music from back in the 70s and 80s. So you're hearing these styles of different producers, different artists, slaying this album. And it is one of my favorite albums from them. I feel like there is, um, let's say, let's see how I, put, I should put this. Um, I feel like with every artist you mention, they all seem to have one common denominator being their, the sum of all parts of, of black American music history. Mm -hmm. um, they are. Is that, um, is that a coincidence or is it just because you can resonate with it because of you being black as well? I think I think it's a little bit of both um, because any artist, I don't care who you are, their, their influence, um, the Clark sisters, spans over four decades. It also transcend, transcends... Um, national international borders so many artists have been influenced by the clark sisters like some of our faves are like clark sisters are my faves and being bombarded with music you're going to come into a lot of um 
of influence because it's a it's a Clark sister sound. We call it the Clark sound with a lot of melismas, but also there's an artistry from Twinkie Clark that a lot of artists, especially in the church, gravitate to. Do you have a similar experience with uh, trans musicians from, for, for the same reasons? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say is like the best track ever released by a trans person? Hmm. It is difficult to say right now. Um, it's so many wonderful artists out there. If I had to choose, um, I would go back into the 70s um, because this person actually fits under that umbrella. Um, and I wouldn't say that they would identify as transgender, but they're under that gender umbrella. Right. Um, I would say the late Sylvester James. Um, I would say one of their best tracks would be You Make Me Feel Mighty Real. And absolutely love that song um, because I feel that Sylvester also set the stage for queer artists, for gender non-conforming artists, um, for transgender artists to take a platform. That's one of the, I would dare say, he set the platform for how we know music as today. And also, I would I would look up Shay Diamond, I am her. That's another artist um, that I've discovered in recent weeks. Um, I'm like, okay, girl, you gotta get this, you gotta get this. So, and just um, her using her voice to just educate and show I'm here, I have talent. So right, those yeah. two artists, I, I have to go with old school first, the original school, and bring the new school in. That makes sense. Um, I think that this song that we're about to play falls somewhere in between. Well, no, not not really. This is probably more new school than it is old school. It's about it's time for our second track of the day. It's "Heart of Stone" by Bjorn Dufault. Shade, a.k.a. Bjorn Dufault, Heart of Stone, off of the album The Queen of Shade, released 2018. So, who is The Queen of Shade, and why should 
everyone listen to her according to you? Well, the name says it all. The Queen of Shade, a very powerful activist, activist singer-songwriter. Um, we met um, actually from YouTube. Actually, we connected via YouTube and social media because um, I myself was posting singing videos on YouTube. Queen of Shade was posting videos, and it was an instant connection and. We have um, collaborated on some things um, on my blog, Music's Poetry, did an interview with the Queen of Shade and found out a lot. And I'm loving their advocate for the Black queer communities um, concerning mental health, um, concerning education as a whole, and concerning music and artistry. When I think of the Queen of Shade, they have a very... Um, European influence on their music as well. And very inspiring and outspoken in every sense of the word. And if I could describe the Queen of Shade in one word, I would just say extraordinary because it's hard to find one word to describe the Queen of Shade. So is this you sharing an artist because this is actually something you listen to a lot or is this you promoting a friend? Actually, an artist that I listen to a lot. Right. And as an artist myself, um, I take off the friend's glasses yeah. and put on the artist and fellow musician glasses. Um, and I, I do that with all of my faves. And I do that with other artists that I've worked with, such as Boris Grant. Just listening to their artistry, seeing what they put out. And I love the different creativity from various artists. Because you see... A pro you see a different process for each. Right. Um, tying into your own queer experience, um, why, would you mind sharing that roller coaster of a story with us? Sure, sure. Where should I begin? At the beginning, I guess. Um, <coughs> where? Um, okay. Let's let's try and phrase a more specific question to know where to begin. Do you specifically remember um, the songs you were listening to at the time of any coming out? Um, oh, wow. Okay, so I came out when I was 24, but it was kind of there that I was a part of the queer communities. Right, yeah. Um, when I came out as queer, um, this was like, I was 24, so it was like, 2010, 2009, 2010. Um, I was technically out in a way, but still trying to figure out who I was. Um, yeah, just a general announcement, people, I'm queer in what way, shape, or form, I don't know yet. Exactly. And I was actually outed by a cousin. Oui. So that was interesting. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It wasn't, but one of the songs... Um, that I listened to during that time was actually I'm Coming Out by Diana oh, Ross. Us. I was actually listening to a lot of what we call drag dance mis mixes of songs. Um, and one of them being Vanessa Mitchell's Accept Me For Who I Am. And that was a staple because um, I was also uh, delving into female impersonation um, had a whole alias and everything. Uh, and I would I listen to that song because of the message. Right. I'm like, okay, accept me for who I am. That's powerful stuff. 
it, it was very, a very different time for me. And that's one way that I really um, got my interest in music um, diversified. Um, I rediscovered Phyllis Hyman. Um, very, I was very heavy into Chrisette Michelle, into the band Incognito, listening to a lot of obscure artists um, and venturing out into various Caribbean artists, um, various island artists as well. So at that time, I went through a whole phase of trying to find something different than what I was listening to. You started transitioning in 2015, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Mm -hmm. How was that experience for you? Um, it's a unique experience, um, especially uh, coming from a fundamentalist Christian home and being taught about gender and sexuality a certain way and finding out that it's more fluid than what we were taught. And from there, I guess you just started living your own truth, uh, which makes it sound a whole lot easier than it actually is. It is, it is much harder than it actually is, um, especially when you're in religious circles and the attitude um, a lot of Christians have towards those in the LGBT community and just seeing various trains of thoughts but learning how to navigate that and be on my P's and Q's and just living authentically for me. Because um, even on a bad day, um, when I am when I am dressed androgynous, because um, although I'm transgender, I'm a trans woman, my style is very non-binary in a sense. Right, yeah. But I have been in uh, what we call clergy attire. And... People have thrown different pronouns out there and I don't correct them because I, I just smile. And when I get in my car, I laugh. Right. So I guess that's also what you use your YouTube channel for sometimes just kind of venting. Um, um, it started off as a self help yeah. entity. That makes a lot of sense. It, 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 it's been a journey, but I have basically been, um, been basically uh, using that as a way to express myself, talk about the current state of the world, especially here in America oh, yeah. um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And of course, that chick named COVID-19, who everyone wants to fight, uh, just having that being a focal point. And also, I've talked a lot about dating and relationships. I'm on my channel on top of you experiencing racism on top of you experiencing um transphobia you also have been diagnosed with hiv aids right is that something to yes. talk about sure um with that diagnosis i've been positive for seven and a half years at this point dealing with the stigma of living with hiv is a different ball game in and of itself How how do you personally deal with the stigma? Um, personally, I don't internalize it as much as I did um, in the past. However, what I do, um, I, I use that as a way to educate, especially um, during quarantine. Um, I have had um, potential suitors or gentlemen callers um, in our discussion. Um, And this is also before Corona. 
um, just navigating that and telling them up front, especially when sex is on the table, um, dealing with that and letting them know, hey, this is what's going on with me. I live with HIV. I'm undetectable. I'm healthy. Um, And I use that as a tool to educate, even though a rejection may occur or even still I was like, oh, I still want to get to know you. You know, that doesn't bother me. I'm well educated. Right. Um, I know how to protect myself. And you have some that still live in the, it's 2020. We still have people living in 1980s, 1990s knowledge of what HIV is and is it is not. So using my interactions on the various apps, dating, Facebook, just meeting people in general and on YouTube using that as a way to educate others about what HIV is and is not. What according to you is like the biggest mix misconception around it all? One of the biggest misconceptions is that a person living with HIV is going to be obviously sickly. No, that's not the case. That's not, yeah, that's not the case at all. I mean, looking through at the screen right now as, as, as tiny as it is, you just look like a, a healthy, physically in shape person. Yes. Yes. Healthy, yes, in shape, no. <laughs> I need to exercise. Right. Um, but but then, then, you know, you started getting your treatment um, or, or medical procedures surrounding HIV. And then on top of that, you also get like the transitioning and whichever method you may use. Would that have made things easier or more difficult? It's actually made things different. Um, I'm not going to say difficult. It's more unique being an HIV positive trans woman simply because there are three things on the table here. I'm a black American. Right. Number one, I'm queer and trans. Another thing. So I already have two strengths against me. I'm black, queer, and trans. Now, when it comes to transness, that's a whole other separate issue than being queer because now you have to factor in gender identity. And if you look at statistics, women of trans women of color are being murdered at alarming rates. We are being targeted and attacked at alarming rates, even in the pandemic. So we've had, this has been the deadliest year so far for trans women of color. And that's just based on the reported cases. God only knows how many unreported or unknown cases that we have. Or the reported cases in which it's not being taken into the statistics because the trans woman is labeled as a man and gets misgendered in the statistics itself. Exactly. And it's, it's horrendous. And a lot of the misgendering is purposely done. Uh, there yeah. is 2020. There's too much knowledge out here, too many ways to access knowledge. You have, everyone has a phone now. You can easily Google stuff on your phone, but mankind is lazy and doesn't want to help themselves. So, yeah, it's as long as you fall into some kind of stigmatized category. Oh boy. Um, I feel like we need to to blast some uh, positive or at least some powerful energy through this. So let's get some music back up in here. Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama.
in my bag. Swag. I maybe one of the most influential tracks of 2016 because that was one hell of a year 2016 oh it was personally a lot more albums were released the year before that that's just gotten into rotation more because that's just the artist that i was into talking modest mouse talking um what are we? What what else have you? Courtney Barnett, Tame Paul, Andrew Shikari. They released albums in 2013, uh, 2015, but twenty sixteen was actually the year people started paying for music again. Like Beyonce dropping an album, uh, Frank Ocean dropping an album, and yes. because of those artists, people actually responded with getting on board with the streaming services, getting their money two artists and of course these are two beyonce in particular i don't think that she actually is financially dependent on streaming but you know people actually started paying again um instead of pirating the whole bunch yeah i think this is a track that i don't know did this track start at all uh it it might have been but that's uh that's that's uh where my rant ends um so Yannick, tell me, Beyonce in the category, in the category best life experience, and you know I've seen I've seen the Homecoming Netflix thing, so yes. I've got I've got a little bit to go on there, but that's of course beyond compare when it comes to seeing the seeing the seeing the thing, uh, seeing the real thing. I actually had the privilege to see the Formation tour firsthand. I still have the videos up from the vlog I did at the concert. Words cannot describe that concert. Um, granted, it rained. We were at a stadium. Mind you, that was the tour. It was a stadium tour. She did all of her hits, her new songs. Oh, my gosh. 
she killed formation i bet i bet did she, she killed bring it. the entire orchestra out That's she did um phenomenal. oh my gosh she killed it and she did a tribute to prince this was the year that prince passed away as well right, so yeah. she did a trip she did a tribute to him and just the dancing and just hearing songs from the album and just hearing her sing all of our face and just seeing her up close and personal. I found a whole different level of respect for her because she's one of the top female artists in the, in the millennial generation right now. Exactly. Yeah. So, and even with her, you know, subsequent releases after that with um, the project, the gift, um, the Lion King movie that she acted in, um, even her most recent and um, well, the On the Run tour, um, working on albums with Jay Z, her husband, and also now Black is King, as well as the Homecoming. I saw the Homecoming when, uh, and my friends and I were actually watching it. We were getting ready for a ball for the Homecoming, and we we were able to find the live performance on YouTube or some platform where we could watch it and just watching that while we're putting on our makeup, we ended up putting like our tablets and stuff on mirrors and things and, you know, propping them up so we could see it while we were getting ready doing our makeup. And it was the most wonderful experience. Like you were actually there. All right. So, um, the, the show that you went to, um, I've, I've seen it was the, I've, the, the entire tour, all of the tour dates. That's just an entire Wikipedia section on its own. Where were you? Because she didn't play DC, right? Or am I missing? We something? were actually, I was still living in South Carolina at the time. Right. Um, and we went to Raleigh, North Carolina. All right. Okay. Um, it was in May. It was the May concert in North Carolina. And she killed, I remember pulling up to Carter stadium. If I'm, if I remember the name correctly, um, and it was so much traffic. I'm like, they really came out for your girl. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I can't wait till this happens for me when I come to her. So, <laughs> um, so what do you what do you prefer? Like big, a huge stadium tours like Beyonce's, or do you also have like a little bit of a soft spot for small, intimate concert venues of smaller artists? I actually like a, a mix of both because um, I've yeah, actually obviously went. They all, obviously, they both have their different appeal. But Yes, um, I've been to a couple of um, small intimate concerts here in D.C. Um, went to one where I highlighted a local artist and it was so intimate and it was fun. Um, and one of the things I like doing also is attending open mic nights where they feature an artist. That's fun. Um, and that's one of the fun experiences I have because we all get to participate, but then we get to listen to a heavy hitter in there. How often do you actually go to like these big stadium shows? Because I bet they're expensive. They are expensive. Um, once every blue moon, once every blue right. moon. Care to, to name drop a little bit? What other artists have you seen venues like those? Um, who else have I seen at a stadium? Um, Oh, wow. I've actually seen um, the Spinners um, at a venue like that. Um, it was actually a festival. Um, I've seen uh, the OJs. These are older groups from back in the 70s, 80s, 60s or better. Um, I've seen them live. Um, my stadium experience has been kind of limited due to life itself because I work a lot of times when concerts come. Right, um, yeah. 
who else have I seen? I have seen, um, I've actually seen Faith Evans at sort of a stadium uh, venue as well in Atlanta. And this was actually during a pride, so. What do you, how do you usually go to shows? Like, do you tag along with a bunch of friends or just going by yourself? Because I can imagine not everyone's always available. It's to, a to mix tag. of both. Um, I'll tag along with friends um, or either I'll go by myself because there's been plenty of times where I've bought tickets for a concert and have gone myself. Right. Bought yeah. VIP for myself, ordered me a bottle, ordered my meal. And I'll sit there and just, or either I'll take myself out to dinner first um, sure. and go. Really treat yourself, make a, make a day out out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing that I've promised to myself as well. Like whenever um, people aren't available to join me during shows, it's like, all right, I'm not going to have anything stop there. I'm just going gonna to go regardless because if I would rob myself of the chance of seeing Beyonce just because no one's available to come with. Like, that's not an option. Exactly. Like, why do that to yourself? Exactly, yeah. Um, you mentioned briefly that all of the stuff you talk about on your channel, a lot of it involves dating. How has it been for you in the past few weeks, months, years? Um, it's been challenging as hell. Uh, um, yeah. But um, I've actually gone on some virtual dates uh, going on some social distance quarantine style dates. Um, I've been really entertaining a lot of people. So I decided to take a break from the dating scene. Uh, I do feel like it's been a large part of your, uh, of your life though, the way you're open, so open about it. Yes. Um, Is that I'm not going to say I'm yes. Um, and then it's haphazardly, um, cause my last relationship ended um, several months ago. So I kind of took a break, but then I threw myself back into the dating scene. Um, and now I'm just like over it right now. Right. Yeah. So I'm refocusing that energy and focusing on me. That's, that's reasonable. That's yeah. makes a lot of sense, especially now that you can't move beyond physical um, or move beyond virtual dates anyway. Sounds like a good time yes. to actually go and take care of yourself instead of trying to focus on others. Um, exactly. Yeah. Time has been flying by, so it's about to... Yes, it has. We're throwing in the last track of the day already. Awesome, awesome. So I play the game of hearts And that's when you find how trifling folks really are Oh Lord but little did I know The questions were about to get out of control Good grief However, something crossed my mind What about the next time You guys start to spill Would you dare spill some of mine? I'm not necessarily ashamed I just know how fresh travels nowadays what else if i could be a fly on the wall with they all start to talk what i wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall they all go to uncover it all all the things you wouldn't say to my face i bet it's the truth unchanged 
I wonder if they'll discuss When I got you know who alone And went from soft to rough Oh yeah Even though such and such Told me that the hip alone Was way more than enough I know I didn't mean to break your heart These colors have different shades It just depends on who I was on that day Okay If I could be a fly on the wall When they all start to talk well, I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall They all go to uncover it all Hope the things you wouldn't say to my into the sounds of Durant Bernard Fly on the Wall. Um, this track was again released 2016. Um, and boy, is it a challenge to uh, pick a song in this category for today because we've been down a rabbit hole to, to actually. Yes. Uh, finally end on this track um the original plan was to play a different artist altogether um um but that was impossible to find on spotify and youtube at least for me um then the other song by duran bernard that we wanted to play was grown as man but turns out that entire album, hashtag blame it on the mango, has been taken yes. off Spotify, taken off YouTube, taken off of everywhere. Apparently, Durand himself is kind of revisiting all of his past past releases. Um, to quote a recent tweet, grown as man still goes, I need to touch her up a little bit. So I think yes. he, just, he just took it off of all of the streaming services to put it through a remaster and then put it back online as soon as it's ready. I don't know, but boy, this was a fun little adventure. Um, yes. And thankfully I purchased it on iTunes before he took it down. I'm happy about that. Yeah. So I personally know Duran Bernard because of his recent collaboration with Kate Renata. Um, yes. How did you came in touch with this, this artist? Um, I learned about Kate Renata actually through Duran Bernard. Oh, um, right, yeah. I was like, oh, yes. So I actually was listening to Freefall a couple of days ago. I said, okay, guys, I'm getting my life. So whenever I see an artist and they feature Duran Bernard, Bernard, I'm like, oh, this artist is good because I know um, he doesn't just work with anybody. And um, to find his collaboration FaceTime remix with oh. Ari Lennox. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, apart from Ketranada, Ari Lennox, like you mentioned, he also did backing focus for Erica Badu, um, and he collaborated with the internet. Like, that's that's an impressive resume. Yes, absolutely love his resume. He's very impressive. Before we wrap things up here, there is one question left to ask, which is how does mm -hmm. music reflect your queerness? Music reflects on my queerness in the fact that it tells a story. Um, 
I would say if I had a soundtrack for my life, it would be a whole box set. If we still did CDs um, or the cassette tapes, it would be a whole box set, chock full of music because of the number of artists that I love. And you, each song tells a story right. and it shows, uh, shows my vantage point. So like in my musical taste, you will hear Phyllis Hyman for my crazy days, for my lonely days, or for my grief-stricken days. Then you'll have a little bit of Erica Badu when I'm just vibing. Or you may hear a little bit of gospel when I'm feeling spiritual. Or you may hear some um, Caribbean island music. Or you may hear a lot of obscure music because I'm working or <laughs> looking at things on a bigger, grander scale. I feel like, so instead of like a box set of all of those different artists, maybe just see a, have a playlist which has the exact duration of your entire Exactly, life. exactly. Which you will see that on my Apple Music playlist. You will see. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I guess that was about it. I feel like it's we've actually touched upon everything we do all within time no rush no pressure i've been i've been really enjoying this conversation this went this was a whole lot of fun um thank you all for listening this has been queer sounds if you want more of our sweet sweet content um you can check out queersounds.com uh spotify apple muse apple podcasts or you know wherever you listen to uh queer sounds right now um, I want to remind you that there is a uh, playlist that features all of the tracks that ever been featured on this episode uh, on 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 this podcast. Um, what else is new? Oh yeah, if you want to get in touch, you can do so through Twitter um, at Queer Sounds Pod, um, Queer Sounds Pod at Gmail .com. Ooh, and this is a new thing. Um, It's uh, it's been a long time coming, but there is an Instagram page now. Um, yeah, um, I've you, I'm, I've been I've been working with After Effects a little bit, finally getting the hang of the visual aspect of a podcast because you know trying to make my way through it and it's finally there. So yeah, if you want to get in touch. To, if you want to get in touch through Instagram, Queer Sounds Pod on there as well. Um, awesome. Finally, um, I would like to remind you again, we're at uh, uh, patreon.com slash queer sounds. And if you want to support the show in a non-financial way, just tell a friend. Um, and with that... I want to thank you, Yannick, for coming on the show and you, thank dear you. listener, for listening once again. Goodbye.